Welcome to episode 31 of Shanlin on Batman. I'm Justin Shanlin. Today it is our great honor and pleasure to have on the show the only Apex Scoop Predator. For more than 10 years, our guest has been bagging the biggest movie scoops. Heath Ledger casts the Joker confirmed. Batman v Superman, the film in Detroit, confirmed. Batman v Superman trailer world premiere on April 20th, confirmed. Our guest was even on Fox News Latino and said Harrison Ford would reprise his role as Han Solo, and that too was confirmed. Our guest was formerly, was formerly on LatinoReview.com, now is running Solo on his new website, HeroicHollywood.com. Welcome to the show, El Mayimbe, to Shailen on Batman. Thank you, sir, for coming uh, on. Thanks, thanks for having me. Wow. Thank That's you. quite an introduction. It's all true, man. You've, uh, you've accomplished a lot, I would yeah. say, man. I've lost track, and like sometimes when I hear, "Oh, I broke that," I forgot. Because <laughs> <laughs> wow. like the resume was being read down, like, yeah. "Wow, that's, that's cool." Yeah, we, we were we did like we did our due diligence with you, so we're like, "Okay, what what has he done?" And then like we're like pulling it all up. We're like, "Oh yeah, what he did, hasn't he done?" Yeah. Like, yeah, we're like, "Oh yeah, the Harrison Ford one." Oh yeah, he. Oh yeah. So yeah, the Harrison Ford one was scary because I took a lot of heat for that. People were like, "Ah, oh, you're lying. It's not true." You know, you look like a dummy on the air, and I'm like, uh, just hold on, just hold on. And he was actually the first one that signed on before they even had a director. Wow, you know? really? That's crazy. Yeah, he had to be close first before they went to everybody else because he was, after all, a movie star. You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, uh, so what? Let's get right into it. What's your first uh, exposure to Batman? Was it the '66 TV show? Was it Tim Burton's '89 Batman? Was it a comic book? It's a bit of a little bit of everything. Basically, I'm a kid of the 80s. So there was a comic book store in the Flushing area, Flushing, Queens, New York, where I'm from, uh, called Mike's Comic Hut in the mid 80s. And Mike would, uh, God rest his soul, you passed away a few years ago. He was that old school proprietor. You would come into the store and he was cool and he, you know, knew what to recommend. And he recommended a book to me. Uh, my first exposure to Batman, even earlier than that, was like everybody else, you know, the reruns of the 60s TV show. Okay, but it didn't get real for me until I think about 86 when The Dark Knight Returns came out. That's the, the book that would change everything that year. We got that, The Watchmen, so it was a uh, killing joke. He, Mike made it, you no, know, this is what you should be reading. So then I started collecting Batman around the early 400s when Ten Nights of the Beast came out, that story. Okay, okay. So the Dark Knight Returns, the Cult, and then uh, Ten Nights of the Beast, and I was I was hooked. And then so then before you know it, Batman's getting a lot of uh, press and attention because of the death of Robin and the death of the in death of a family. Yeah. So I'm one of the I was one of the kids who called in the 900 number, got in a lot of trouble because I wanted you know Robin to live. <laughs> you wanted Robin to live. <laughs> I want, yeah, I wanted Jason Todd to live. I called in. Really? 
for Jason Potter live. And I got, and I feel gypped all these years later because <laughs> I got into a lot, you know, you're a kid calling 900 numbers. That's going to be quite a bill. Right. You know, I didn't know. So I called the number, I, I vote, I vote. And then, you know, they kill him off, but then they bring him back. So I, I feel like they owe me a refund all these years later. <laughs> but, uh, before fandom existed, I mean, well, fandom's always been around, excuse me. Um, before the internet existed, uh, when I really was, uh, what I was really excited about was before the internet, when it was just print magazines and stuff, when they were making Tim Burton's Batman movie. Okay. So I, like a rabid fanboy on comicbookmovie.com, I would look for anything and everything about the making of the movie. Like when they would, I remember, oh my God, so many years ago when Entertainment and I had the first look from behind the set. Mm-hmm. You know, like being a reporter, you take for granted the junket access and the seven glasses. But back then, to a kid, you know, a 15 year old kid looking at, uh, waiting for the Dark Knight Returns, I mean, excuse me, waiting for Tim Burton's Batman, any little piece of information that you could give us. Yeah. So there was a book, there was a book that Warner's put out, The Making of Batman. And I, I bought that paperback book and I, read it so much that I, the, the, the pages would fall off and stuff. So I was all about the first 89 Batman. I seen it a couple of, you know, I spent half the summer in the theater watching that, that film. I loved it, you know? So I bought all, you know, and then I, Batman started getting more popular, detective comics and stuff. And then, uh, my favorite villain came along Bane. So I still have all those books to this day in stories here in New York. And, my mom gives me crap about it. It's like, you guys, you got to do something. You got to take your books back with you to California. You got to do something. You want to get rid of the storage. And I'm like, oh, God. So <laughs> revisiting all that stuff is cool. So, yeah, I mean, it was like the mid to late 80s. Was, you know, you, like, again, you had the Dark Knight Returns. You had Batman the Cult. You had The Killing Joke. You had Death in the Family. And my still to this day, my favorite, Ten Nights of the Beast, who I thought was the most yes. formidable villain Batman faced. Uh, then the movies. And then Bane and stuff. And yeah, then really uh, Azrael. And then, of course, I was in college early on when uh, the TV, the animated series came on. So I recorded, go to go to college, come back, watch. So I, I, I um, followed along uh, Bruce Timm's excellent work. And then, uh, yeah, Batman Beyond. And then, you know, you, you get older, life intervenes. And it ended, uh, Batman Beyond and the Batman the series ended around the time I started working in film production. Wow. So, yeah, like That's... in the mid-90s and stuff. But, I, yeah, I've been – I've always been a big Batman fan for about, yeah, like 20-something years. Yeah. Yeah, on Twitter the other night, I saw that one of the questions – one of your fans asked, like, what's your, who's your favorite comic book character? And you said Batman. I was like, awesome. Perfect. Yeah, because, like – Absolutely. We all, we all grew up on Absolutely. the animated series here, so, like – that that's uh it's just that's our that's our age range and that that was huge for us so oh yeah the animated series bringing that up and batman beyond is definitely yeah. like that hits home for all three of oh, us yeah. here like we yeah, love batman beyond. i mean some of the uh, in the original 65 episode order like some of my favorite episodes was uh the ones with ross agul that you remember the ninja entered the the ninja one the great ghost or the sequel of the ninja one the samurai one when he goes mm-hmm. to japan yeah yep. uh yeah, those you know those those some great writing, some great that was some quality television. So it's like I'm in college and I would watch all of them. This is when VCRs were still around, you know. I'd go come back and orchestra reruns and stuff, but that was a show you didn't want to miss, you know. So that was uh, that was thing. But I my thing, you know, my my collecting with Batman started earlier than that, like in '86 and on. Like again, '86 changed everything. I see a Watchmen and the Dark Knight Returns came out. So we were like. 
oh my god like you know that's that's uh when comic book stores had video games and candy and sweets and stuff mike's comic in flushing george perez the the famous dc artist who's mm-hmm. now retired i think lives in florida used to, he used to live in the neighborhood and he uh did the bags for mike's comic hut and oh, stuff wow. so i ran into him at a comic con many years ago and told him hey remember mike i used to i still have your bags and stuff but like now, the sad thing is like you know everything's so expensive in New York. Comic book stores are they're nowhere here in Queens. There used to be a dozen of them in here in Queens. Now there are any. You gotta go to the city for that. So that's what I like about LA. LA takes very good care of their comic book stores. They're thriving, you know. Yeah. Um. But, so how did you get started at Latino Review? Because I've re- I've been reading your stuff since, uh, since pretty much oh. the Heath Ledger stuff. So I've been a huge, huge fan of yours, and just talking to you today is like crazy. Like, like I, <laughs> like I, I'm, I swear. So, w- w- how did you get started at LatinoReview.com? I started with Harry Knowles. Actually, Harry had yeah. a guy named Lobo back in the day who used to do all those the Latin stuff scoops because I used to work with a director in 2000 2001 uh-huh. um and then we went out to la in november of 2002 but before that uh yeah i used to send a lot of tips to harry's guy lobo i don't know where whatever happened to him and stuff and then one day on any cool news there's the first set picture of toby mcguire chasing the bus on spider-man okay um so he was leading to the site called latino review so it's on the homepage of Anycool News, like 2001, 2002. I, you know, I go, then I go to Latino Review and I start following and stuff and reading him and then uh, I start giving him tips. And he's like, I'm from Regal Park, Queens. Where are you from? I'm from Queens, too. I'm from Flushing. It's practically neighboring towns. He's a few years older than me and stuff. And then we met in person in that picture he put out there in his goodbye piece. That was from September 2002. That's from his birthday from so many years ago. So. Okay. Since so then, uh, you know, we bonded very, we got along very well. And, you know, and then when I returned to L.A., I, this is before scripts were on lockdown the way they are today, mm-hmm. uh, when you could get them physically copied and uh, you could get them uh, PDF and stuff. I came into possession of the Batman Begins screenplay, mm-hmm. you know, so then uh, that was awesome to read that. And uh, I've been with him up until recently the sale of the site. It was, you know, it was just... Uh, this is before SEO, before Google even, before, you know, when everything was just, you throw up a web page and start putting content and before it became more detailed as it is today and stuff. So mm-hmm. I was out in LA working with this director, doing the entourage thing myself. And then uh, I would get stuff. And then uh, starting in 2003 or so, I would send them, you know, I used to be the script review guy when they used to be done all over the place. And then uh, as scripts became harder, I just evolved into scoops and then, yeah, Batman Begins. Then I think a little bit after that, I broke Tim's story directing uh, the first uh, Fantastic Four film. So it's just, you know, it's not something you break every day, but I would just constantly get stuff and just send it along for Kelvin. That's awesome. I remember, like, you talk about before, like, Google and all that. I remember, like, having dial-up trying to get to the, yeah, your yeah. your site and uh, <laughs> Bill Ramey's site, Batman on the uh-huh. So, like, yeah. yeah. It has been around forever, yeah. Yeah, ten minutes to download one picture. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I seen oh it. Oh my god! I finally seen it. But yeah, but like the Tumblr photos, it took like fifteen minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, that's amazing. Tom's got a question for you. All right, so sure. 
in your in your in your amazing career of doing what you do, what what do you consider to be like your masterpiece of of a scoop? Like what 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 is your favorite all time that you've dropped and was correct about? Uh, that one is actually the the my favorite has also been my toughest. This, it's it, it it caused a problem. It, it was it, it became an obsession almost. Like uh, it was the hunt for Bin Laden for me and Kelvin back in the time was. It took nine months for us to hunt Thanos. Okay, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it did. And like when you back so like scoops I don't get or scoops I do get. You know, yeah. Uh, like when I don't get, I I try to backtrack them to see how the information got out there, how it became accessible, how what, what how did I miss the opportunity to break that? But okay. uh, I remember in Comic Con, uh, sitting in Comic Con with Kelvin inside Hall H, like a year before, uh, two years ago, when uh, I, yeah, when they mentioned, when I think when Feige mentioned in Hall H that it was going to be Thanos, and I got a tip that it. Uh, that infinity in Infinity War or that in Avengers three it was gonna be Thanos versus everyone. That is, we got to find out who that is. So then you know sources would come to New York or I'd be in LA and you know I have to physically go out and meet people and stuff, entertainment and whatnot. And it was just something that stumped us and kept stumping us and kept stumping us and stuff. So um, I re- I'll never forget the day last year when he calls me when he calls me and. Uh, He's like, are you sitting down? And I'm like, uh, is everything all right? And I sit, sit down and he's like, we got him. I got him. I got Thanos. Wow. So basically, but the, because that scoop made me change how I get stuff these days. Like uh, trade reporters have a way of going through, you know, trade reporters talk to the same people, mm-hmm. you know. So my thing was I had to take my, my scoop game internationally to help track down you know, certain, I mean, Marvel's not universal. It's a universal brand. They shoot around the world like everybody else these days and stuff. So it made me up my, up my game. So, but, and then we broke Thanos and then that moment, like almost a year ago, I got to be honest, uh, as a, you know, as a journalist, like I was, you know, like I used to, I grew up reading Premier Magazine and uh, a lot of, you know, and uh, Kim Masters book, um, Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot her, the name of her book. Uh, Hit and Run, here we go. Yeah, so oh, I was yeah, inspired I to do some sort of inside investigative journalism, and I finally got that opportunity last year when Edgar Wright left Ant-Man, okay? Yeah. So that was Memorial Day weekend, and that weekend, I did not leave. I didn't go out to the Hamptons. I didn't go to the beach. I didn't have no fun. I was, like, locked inside, the phone constantly ringing. So I wanted to be fair and objective and stuff, and I got and I was the first one to report the actual story about what really happened. Then that snowballed into that weekend, me breaking Daredevil on Netflix, and then me also breaking Drew Goddard leaving, like three massive Marvel scoops within 24 hours, wow. within a 24-hour period. I kept, I was busy, but so were the press release writers, okay? I would, break a scoop. <laughs> I would break a scoop, okay? I'd break a scoop, and then they follow up with a press release. That's 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 like, wow, this is this most successful comic book company taking seriously what I say and they got to re- they got to respond when I say something. So it's like, well, that's just, I gotta, I gotta, it's a tie between being doing, doing the teamwork on, uh, on Thanos, ultimately Kelvin got him. And then that weekend that I stayed in a year ago, breaking three Marvel stories within on a, on a holiday weekend. 
annoying a lot of my colleagues in the process too. Dude, it's Memorial Day weekend. Why are you not at a barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> you, sir, are a machine. Yeah, he's yeah, the so It's been hot and cold, man. So I was, it was a hot streak and I just wrote it, you know, that whole weekend and stuff. So oh, I got to, yeah. I can't remember that much earlier, but I, I got I think that last year and I peaked with, uh, with the Edgar story, Daredevil, and then uh, I wish I had DC stuff, but, uh, I think I made up for it this year and stuff. You, know, you, you so. got something dropping with DC uh, later in this episode. But you mentioned Kim Masters, and she wrote that Hollywood Reporter uh, rep, uh, article it was like two weeks ago, I think, where, yep. where it's talked about uh, the DCCU like, really doesn't have like a track record or like they really don't have like uh, Kevin Feige. Like, like she pretty much intimated like from what I was reading, like uh, Snyder was the de facto Kevin Feige. And they and like they were talking right. about the the script by committee on Wonder Woman and like all that other stuff. But what what, did you, what was your take when reading that um, with the DCCU? Uh, are you like scared when you're reading that? Or are you... I'm not scared. It just shows a lack of leadership and a lack of vision. See, the problem is now you go to Marvel. Marvel, you go in to take a job at Marvel. You know what you're getting into. They know what they want. They know how they want it executed. And they look for people to help them execute their vision. Okay. And, and they're closing in on $8 billion worldwide box office, not with Avengers. So I think what they're doing is okay. I think it's working for them and they, exactly. it's proven them right. Uh, so, but they have a committee from people who eat crap and breathe comic books and these characters and these stories and they kind of know what they're doing. Now, yeah. other, now the problem with DC is DC is a subsidiary of uh of, of warner bros the way marvel is its own thing and its own entity on the dc dc is a subsidiary of a larger company and a, and a cog piece of a bigger puzzle you know so i do think there's a part of me that believes they should siphon off the uh i could be wrong they should siphon off dc and have somebody report directly to bucus here in new york at time warner but uh that's here this is the and it's a problem for me as a scooper because let's say what's the what did the article say there was like three or five Wonder Woman drafts being written? Yeah. Like that's so crazy. let's say for sake of conversation, uh for sake of conversation this is not true. So let's say uh uh Steve so somebody comes up to me, there's a huge action sequence with Steve Trevor and, and Diane. Yeah, but okay, which version of the script are you talking about? Is it the version I gotta prove? Is it version two or is it version three? It's technically true because it's one of the five. But then it won't be true because it's not the script that they selected. You see what I'm saying? Right. So I got to be – so it's like it's always – when I get stuff on Wonder Woman or Aquaman, it's okay, which version of the script it is? I don't know. Is it the one that they're using? I don't know. So it's like it's a conundrum that I'm in right now because, I, you know, Marvel, at least when they develop – they develop one draft or two, so, but they keep, they keep it the same. You got five different takes of, of, of Wonder Woman and Aquaman now. I mean that's confusing as hell. So that – that kind of shows me that they might be worried or they don't really know what the hell it is they're doing, you know? So, but I know incredible things about Batman vs Superman, same thing with suicide squad. So I think they're going to be fine. They're just going through their growing pains right now. Marvel went through growing pains. Mm -hmm. Like I used to cover Marvel when they were on, on top of uh, a Mercedes dealership on little Santa Monica in LA. I mean, I used to see Feige sitting, riding shotgun in uh, Avi, uh, Avi Arad's Mustang. Many years ago and stuff, you know, Holy so, crap. yeah, and now he's running the show, but uh, they're going through a growing pain, right, they, they're trying to figure out and stuff, and the thing is that they're fluid, so, like, let's say you're a famous filmmaker, 
you go in, uh, and then if you have an idea or something or character you choose, they'll put it on the slate. So that's cool, you know. But um, I wish, I wish they didn't have the studio interference. Marvel doesn't have no studio interference, you know. They again, they're their own cohesive unit. DC has have to work with the Warner Brothers development people and stuff. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I wasn't surprised that Kim's article is, you know, is a tad sad and stuff, but she is a fantastic journalist, so mm-hmm. her sourcing, her sourcing is solid, obviously. So, right. but she paid. It's good that she did that because it puts Warner's and DC on notice. Look, you guys were being watched. We're watching you. Don't mess this up. You know. Right. It's just it's weird that we're we're at to the point where we're about to. Lo- they're they essentially launched it with Man of Steel, but Batman v Superman's. Like they're gonna be like the the lead up to everything else. Yeah. Like after that, you have oh. Suicide Squad. Like it just seems like they would need have that guy at the top, like a Roven or a Snyder or someone who's just that's their job. It's like they do at Marvel. I mean, they're two totally different companies, and the, the comics are completely different as well. But there still needs to have that guys. Like this is you know it's still like, a basic formula. It's like right. success. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, when I get back to Los Angeles on Wednesday, I'm gonna I'm gonna meet with some people and sources and stuff, and continue the investigation myself. Like what Kim, I'm curious. So stuff like more for me, like for ga- gathering intelligence and stuff. I'm gonna meet with people, see where they're at right now, post article, like what are they doing and stuff. How do they respond? You know, so it's it's a, it's just a different corporate culture. Marvel's in touch with the fans, okay? Mm-hmm. They they have fan events, which one the one in October that I was at, you know, Feige's approachable. I've seen I met him twice in person and we've chatted like normal guys and stuff. You can't really do that with Kevin Sujihara over there at uh, Warner's or yeah. the rest of the crew. You know, there's it's just a different corporate culture. Okay. And that could be problematic too, but it, the work is gonna have to speak for itself right. at the end of the day, regardless of leadership or regardless of of uh, of of the corporate culture they they have to execute at the end of the day, no matter what. It, what the end of the day matters is the product. If the product is good, and I think it will be, then everything will be fine. But they went all out for Batman versus Superman, so I think they have a sleeping giant on inside uh, inside that studio on that release slate. Right, and, uh, I'm I'm all for it because I'm I'm seeing a Frank Miller bat suit version, and that's the by far the best Batman mm-hmm. suit of the last. 25 yeah. years <laughs> like that i had that picture man i got the picture from the vip press tour like but i couldn't release it so i would like oh. look at it for like hours and stuff like, <laughs> oh my goodness i released it for a bit and then i had to pull it out yeah i saw you know, that the, oh. yeah so but i i think it's i think it's the most comic book accurate costume that batman's had in the last 25 years he that is the best costume yeah, yeah, and, and I can't wait to see it in action. You know, back to back to uh, 2006. When you, what was it like uh, finding out that he, that bagging that Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker? Because you are the guy that found out that Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker, and he went on to win the only Academy Award for acting by an actor in a superhero movie. So, what was that like? Ah man, I wish. I mean, that was cool, and it went, and that was that was the beginning of the digital period when trades had started paying attention to the fanboy news sites and stuff. I forgot how I got that, um, but 
it was it it was it was cool. It was euphoric. Holy cow, bro, the Joker, man. You know? So but I I honestly I tried it like I was thinking the last couple of how did I get that? And I just don't remember. Because it was so long ago. It's almost ten years ago. You know? But uh it was exciting. I mean, do remember it was exciting. It was like holy cow, the Joker, man. You know, Heath Ledger and then Kelvin interviewed uh Heath Ledger had like one of the last interviews with Heath Ledger before he passed away that was seen everywhere and stuff. And they like bonded and stuff and became friends and he would keep in touch with him and stuff. But then, you know, he passed away, unfortunately. So that was like, whoa, you know, that, that, that was, uh, that was rough, but, uh, yeah, 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 that was, that was terrible. <laughs> I mean, I remember Batman Begins, like when I read it and seen the card and then actually seeing it in the movie, I'm like, oh my God, because, you know, things could change in the script, but right. they, there it is, you know, he's coming and then we got him. Oh, yeah. I, I, I gotta remember one day I'll probably, it'll probably come back to me. You need to write a book I, on, on like. <laughs> Getting all this stuff and like, just it just like I don't know why they there's not an HBO mo- like show just on everything that you're able to do because it sounds like you're like all over the world like from one week to the next like just trying to bag like the hottest movie news superhero movie news out there. Yeah, my methods are uh, basically I'm a, I mean my favorite comic growing up besides Batman was GI Joe. I mean before I. I uh, like I had to get my GI Joe issues, and then that's when Mike put me on to my, you know, to the Batman stuff. So my fi- childhood fascination with GI Joe matured into a hobby of reading books on black ops and stuff, and, and counterintelligence, and like the hunt for Bin Laden, especially. You know, that was like a high for me. I mean, when that happened on in back uh, four years ago, I was like, oh my god. So like I know how they teach journalists to get sourcing, but what I do is, and it's what's worked for me is uh, the way CIA has the ground branch officers develop sources in uh, around the world in hostile areas, basically, which is spot, assess, develop, recruit. So target people who have access to information or secrets, get to know them, get them to trust you, recruit them, keep them safe. It doesn't always work. You know, like that, uh, the spot, assess, develop, recruit method was a massive failure for me during the hunt for Thanos people see the thing is as you get more popular and I was starting to put myself out there people started knowing who I was like you're that Latino review guy you're that Mayende guy right so no it's my Yende so even you know so it's like it's like talking to girls you know I'm not shy (laughs) so it's like if I go talk to five girls three or four may tell me to go to hell but I get one and that's sometimes all I need that's all you need you know (laughs) that's right but so the same thing with sourcing I'm you know like I'll look at somebody I'll be in a social setting and I start approaching. I'm not going to say, hey, I'm from Latino Review. No, I developed a relationship. Some sources take about a year, sometimes longer, sometimes months, sometimes weeks or even days. But it's an ongoing process where okay, I got this one in the spotting stage. I got this one in the development stage. I got this one in the recruitment stage. Yeah. You know, So I'm very aggressive like that. I go where trade reporters don't. You know, So constantly on the lookout. And now, and then when Marvel came uh came knocking three years ago, you know, making all sorts of threat with a letter that got printed in Hollywood Reporter. I got smart legally, you know, I, you know, so I partnered with the American Civil Liberties Union, a couple of other first right amendment uh, organizations and stuff and got, got, you know, made sure that I would, what I was doing was illegal. And so I know what to do and not to do where I get into trouble, not to get into trouble. But I also, more importantly, because a lot of publicists take advantage of the ignorance of a lot of media bloggers and web guys is I know my rights. I know what they can say to me. I know what they can do. 
you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly on my toes, but, uh, nice. I'm a social creature and that's always been a difference between a lot of me and my colleagues. I go out, I go to nightclubs, I go to bars. I don't drink personally, but Hollywood's a very social town. So you, you, you know, you walk into a bar on Melrose and there'll be somebody there and you buy him a drink or something and, you know, and you start making friends and listening to things. Oh, I work here. I work there. Yeah. Well, could you tell me about this or this or this? So, you know, that's what I'm, I could do a lot. Uh, I could do a lot more damage on them physically. But the problem now is, and I take it for, and I, we took it for granted. The Sony hack changed everything, man. And in, in a bad way, because like I used to send an email, Hey buddy is, uh, like, for example, I said, Hey, is it true that as a Butterfield is going to be Spider-Man for sake of conversation? Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's going to be him. No, nowadays people are scared to use emails or even send text messages. I was like, Hey, what are you doing? Are you available tomorrow at seven 30 in the morning for a breakfast? Oh, man. Okay. I'm like, yeah, seriously. So, so I got to get up at six, get ready, get dry, go meet somebody. For information, just a few months ago, I was able to get an email because people are paranoid about using computers now and their phones. So I might invest in military technology and get me a satellite phone, invest in like to so be able to send text messages to give them more peace of mind so they could trust me and talk to me and stuff. So I've been looking at their Uridium phones and, and their data plans and stuff to make <laughs> absolutely sure to give them peace of mind. Look, this is being used by Navy SEALs around the world. Ain't nobody going to hack this phone. You can talk to me. We're good. What's up? <laughs> So well, yeah. methods if I do work. write a book, it'll be exciting. Yeah, that's yeah, that, awesome. That, that would be awesome. Kyle has a question for you. Right. So like, sure. Recently, there was an IMAX showing of the recently released Batman versus Superman trailer. Uh, what were your opinions on how like the, the whole trailer played out? Like, did you, did you like everything about it? Were there some things you weren't sure about? Like, what did you think of it as a whole? Okay. Um, I, I was you know when I got that and I broke that. That was a really huge score. Uh, that was cool. Uh, what I didn't like, you know, I think it's still the leak of the trailer uh, that that came out of international kind of took the thunder out of it. Not to me, of course, because I didn't. I refused to watch the bootleg trailer. I didn't want to experience it that way. And it's hard, and I have to stay off Twitter because people ask me, "Hey, is this true?" Or they would send me stills and frame graphs from the from the bootleg trailer. And be like, "Stop, bro! I can't see this. I don't want to see that." Yeah. So. <laughs> I have a feeling if that leak never happened, we would have seen the trailer after the Batman vs. Superman event. But they released the trailer. It's cool. Uh, there was going to be extra footage in the thing. So we, I went to Manhattan to the IMAX theater in, in, uh, in Lincoln Square, and I got online like everybody else. I met, I mean, a lot of people I met that are usually my that are following me and stuff. So we had this cool little group, this community little group, this group, and we're talking, we're fanboying and stuff, and talking scoops and whatnot. And then uh, we go inside, we see it. So to see it in IMAX is insane. It's incredible. But I had a blast. I got posters. I met people uh to see that and then those six seconds to me that was worth it alone just to see them come oh, from yeah. each side to run into each other knee oh, in the middle yeah. that was just awesome you know i got everyone at that, my theater jazz yeah, raise right. a hair on my arms like yeah it was, that, yeah that was awesome and then people were sending me pictures from their screenings around the country and stuff and uh that was cool man it was it was it, that i wish that would happen more often you know so there was no you know i but uh I mean, we try to get help, uh, the public, we try to have the publicists like get us for sort of seating or pressing. There wasn't even that. So I made it, you know, I got everything I needed to, 
to get done. And then uh, I left really early. I got there like two hours early or three hours early. There was already somebody online holding one of my followers holding a spot for me. Met nice. him, and then we just you know we just hung out and, and talked and got the ticket. And then that's that's a good touch that they uh, I was inspired of them on the marketing and that you get like a. You get to see the movie for free a week before it comes out next year, oh, which yeah. is smart, you know. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, you know, it's it's awesome. So, uh, in in some past episodes, you spoke about, or sorry, in some past episodes, we've uh, we spoke to like Mark Hughes from Forbes Online and Bill Ramey from yep. Batman on Film about uh, about like what we call fanboy problems, you know. Not not fanboy in such a way as like you love your your characters and you love your comics and all that, but as far as like getting out of line with ridiculous comments and like in your line of work and whatnot, like you have to dodge a lot of this fanboy activity a lot, you know. Like how do you deal with that? And like do you do you see any kind of uh any kind of way to like maybe prevent some of this crap that's happening on the internet all over the place? Just obnoxious things being said and done well the thing is i don't tolerate people some i mean there was a i broke up two fights in the last week on my you know if, let's say you're gonna argue with someone why am i included in this conversation why are you guys going at it and you know keeping me in the conversation with the replies just remove me and go at it yourself but uh the internet has always had trolls and i just you know uh since my early days before pre-latino review when i would send stuff to, to lobo I just avoided talkbackers and commenting and, and, and forum trolls and negativity. I would just block. I just don't have time to deal to engage. Now some, you know, some might get under your skin or, or they're that persistent and stuff. But uh, I just managed to avoid it. Just don't. If you pay, if you feed a troll, you only you, it's only going to increase the problem. But uh, superhero hype had a problem. You know, yeah. I try to talk to the editors of it. Look, you guys have a troll hive against me these days over there. And the same thing with comic book movies. So you know what? I'm going to I'm going to see if I can turn over some of this negativity. So then uh, what I did was I signed up on the forums on comic book movie. You know, they were more like, oh, my God, my am is here. This is cool. And then I would engage and stuff and build the community. So it's gotten better over the last couple of years and stuff, you know, so. Like I'm pro- like I look at my, my colleagues like uh, Devin Parachi from Bat from Burke Movies uh, Death he moderates his forums and stuff. So when I launch my site, I'm gonna I'm gonna personally enforce my own forums, you know, which is That's all positivity. Awesome. We could have discourse, we could have disagreements, but no profanity, yep. no uh, no 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 sexual comments, no harassing ladies and. When you start banning people, because I used to ban a lot of people on Latino Review, and then something started happening. The trolls went away, oh. you know? Like, I'm <laughs> a former bouncer from, like, my early 20s, okay? My early 20s yeah. in college, I bounced and stuff. So the guy, a guy I used to work for, is like, you get rid of the riffraff. When you get rid of riffraff, you make sure you toss them out head first. That way they know not to come back here and mess around. And that's my thing. So I have a one, you know, you come inside my residence or my establishment, you want to cause problem, I'm going to take you out. So I that's what I would do. That's my, that's, that works in, in, in the real world and it works online. You just ban people, ban the IP, make sure they can never say or harass again. And you, the riffraff gets the hit one day that, you know, there's not a place to screw around. So, I, you know, on top of launching a website, now I got to monitor my own, you know, my own forums and stuff. And yeah. I mean, I, and I'm going to tell everybody that I've banned before at other sites. It's like, look, everybody gets a good, you know, it's a new store and new establishment, new site. Everybody gets a shot. But if you're going to curse at me or make fun of me or my readers or each other or and talking 
and you know have flame wars i'm not interested in that no thank you ban 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 you know so that's how we feel about it too and side note i would not want to be thrown out of an establishment by you you know you you don't look like (laughs) we were watching uh that the fox news latino one and everyone we were like all watching together like like you do not look like a small dude like like you look like you are like you can scrap there's no question absolutely i could totally scrap but it's like i'm i can't like beat up people anymore or whatnot but but i'm yeah i'm six five as of this morning i I mean i've lost almost 50 pounds i just you know i'm post-survival i wanted to get my body back and stuff so i've lost almost 50 pounds i'm like 28 Thank you. So a pound, a pound, 1.8 pounds away from losing 50 pounds and all the weight I put on the last 20 years, including those days, you know, so nice. it's, uh, it's cool. But no, having physicality, like a lot of people think, you know, I'm some, uh, I'm, you know, some loudmouth fanboy, but when they meet me, it's like, oh my God, you're, you're like a tall guy. You're, you're physically imposing. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I was sweet. Don't worry about it. Just, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, let's see. There's been a troll here in the New York area who's harassed me a lot. That I've actually found his number. And he was giving it to me, and I called him. Like, <laughs> I called him, and he panicked. I was like, "If you're gonna continue to be a problem, I'm gonna take a trip. I'm gonna take a ride over to the Bronx to go see you. We're gonna talk, and we're gonna handle this out." And you're going to pay for my toll to go back home. <laughs> you're, you're the man. So, he stopped harassing me. He will. stopped. Oh, my God. All right. So I I posed uh, posed a question in an email to uh, to our good friend over here, Mr. El Mayimbe, um, about who the villain is going to be in Batman v Superman Down in Justice. Now, we already know that Lex Luthor is going to be like a pretty main villain, but this is a scoop. This is like a heard it here first on Shailen on Batman. And can, can you, let's, let's, let's find out who I'm, I'm like jumping out of my skin trying to like find out who this, this villain is going to be. So who, who do you got for us? All right. I'm going to answer a question with a question. Who was the villain in Star Wars? Which Star Wars? <laughs> uh, Darth Vader? The, the Emperor? <laughs> Nope. The Emperor was in the first Star Wars film. He was okay. in the it was an Empire. But who who is the main bad guy in Star Wars? It's real simple. Darth Vader. No, he wasn't. He was a henchman. Oh, uh what's his Tonkin? What well, I can't remember. I'm not the Star Wars guy here. Brad Bob Tarkin. Yes. Okay. So when you ask me what you're technically who's the villain? Who's the who's the main villain in Batman vs. Superman? That's easy. Okay, that's that's Lex Luthor. He's the Grand Marf Tar like Grand Marf Tarkin. He's the bad guy in Batman vs Superman. Now, Grand Moff Tarkin had muscle. Okay, who was his muscle? Darth Vader. Vader. Okay. So you're asking me who is the muscle? So you're technically asking me not who the main villain is. Who is the muscle in Batman vs Superman? And I can tell you here, guys, first to hear it, and I mean it's been out there, but it's official. We are going to see Doomsday. Oh, yes. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, Doomsday. Doomsday. From what I'm hearing, he looks incredible. So the do you bleed, you will? Could that be Doomsday? Is that Doomsday speaking? 
Uh, that is not Doomsday speaking. And here's another little scoop for you guys. That segment is that voice is from a dream sequence in Batman vs Superman. Oh my god! Oh, holy! Cr- thank you! Holy crap! <laughs> this is wow. crazy. Two scoops. Oh my god! Wow. I, don't, I don't even know what. Tom, Kyle, ask a question. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. After that, uh... I told you when I come, I come correct. Yes, oh, you do. My... Doomsday. Yes. Wow. Um. Well, geez. Seems how uh, we're talking about. We just talked about trailer. Let's talk some Suicide Squad. Um. At this point, we've seen like more Suicide Squad than we've seen Batman v Superman. Anything? Do you? think that that's being used as like a marketing tactic to keep people's minds off Batman v Superman or do you just think it's the way that they're approaching it? It's not that they're approaching it. I think they're just having an unfortunate situation that they don't really have good set security over there in Canada and anyone with a camera could like take pictures of them shooting the movie at night. Okay. Like Batman v Superman was a very strict and close set. They had their security on point over there. You couldn't even get us. You didn't see no set pictures leak or anything. Yeah, they had a they had an occasional picture or two seeing them leaving, walking to a trailer or whatnot. But in Canada, you know, it's a totally different ball game, and I don't think they have the budget they have for Batman or Superman. So I don't think it's I don't think they want it out there. But uh, I think what they're doing is a fine. They're doing okay there, you know. Yeah, I think so, we're all excited. Harley Quinn looks pretty much on point for gorgeous. all of us. Um, yeah, as long as Bruce Tim approved, then I approve. She oh, looks yeah. great. My yeah. kid's sister is, you know, she's a Malay. She grew up with the animated series and loves Harley Quinn. So that was cool. Like when that picture came out, I sent it to her and she like fangirled. Oh my God, Har- Harley Quinn's you know, She got the doll, everything. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, so you like the, you like the cast. You like the look of Harley Quinn. Let's, uh, let's talk about some of the other oh, yeah. cast of Suicide Squad. What like, I like the way Deadshot looks. I like his helmet. I like Harley. Yeah. Uh, Captain Boomerang was cool. I like uh, Rick Flag. The only yeah. one that bothers me immensely is the one, the El Diablo, with uh-huh. his his look. He looks like a Thug Raiders fan going to uh, <laughs> Capitol Park. You know, come on. Yeah, that's a little too much for me. That's the only thing I don't like. But it, you know, I'm not gonna let it detract from the rest of the movie or the enjoyment of the movie. But it, you know, um. Killer Croc is kind of weird. He's to been me, a controversy you know? lately. He kind of looks like uh, the thing from the first Fantastic, like the Michael Chiklis thing yeah. from uh, Fantastic Four. Like, it, I don't know. He some... looks like, uh, going back to G.I. Joe, he looks like a Serpentor reject to me, you know? So. <laughs> um, who do you think uh, is going to be directing uh, the solo Batman movie? Do you think it's going to be Affleck or do you think they're going to try to get somebody else? I don't know yet, man. I mean, I'm. I would hope he would direct himself in a Batman movie. That would be incredible. He's more than capable, you know. But that's. I think it's still too early right now. They got to focus on just developing a Batman script, you know, getting a script that they seem worthy enough to. Uh, they seem worthy enough to uh, to go make as a standalone Batman film, you know. That's what I'm tracking right now. Who's gonna write that? And what ideas might they come up for that? And then they'll they'll probably get a director. But I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Affleck. I would love to see. I mean, Affleck at the top of his game directing a Batman movie. Jesus Christ! Oh yes, that's a, 
that's all we want is Ben Affleck to direct. He's we've been talking about it for a year now. Yeah, <laughs> he's right now. Other than Nolan and a few others, he's like the top of like the bet the A list directors that I'm just like, Gone Baby Gone, The Town, Argo. Like it, it just keeps getting better and better for him. He could handle action. Yeah. His Batman is brutal in this movie. It's you know. He's a, this Batman is a bone breaker. He's ruthless. He's violent. He's he's that's my bad, angry. Man. He, yeah, he's Frank Miller's vision, all right. That's for sure. Perfect. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on, the guy has brass knuckles in his gloves. Does he, you think he's gonna shake your hand? No, he's gonna <laughs> knock your teeth out. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh man. Talking about this. this it, can it be just 2016 so we can just movie just happen? Right, right. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, it's got to be. February, March, you know it. It's, the, it's getting the window's getting shorter, so I'm excited. Oh, I mean, yeah. especially for Comic Con. Oh yeah, yeah, you're you're going to Hall H this year, right? Yes, of course. I'm not missing that for the world. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be no. No Marvel movies this year. I think that's what you broke. Like, there's gonna be no like other than like the X Men stuff. Be like no. I got a hot rumor for you guys. There's a hot rumor going around that they're gonna screen Ant Man at Comic Con. Really? Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm excited for Ant Man. I I think Paul Rudd. Even though like I was hoping to see Edgar Wright's uh, vision of that. I, I'm still a fan of Paul Rudd. Like I think I think they can pull that off for sure. I oh. think they're going to be fine. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, hearing good things about that one. Any, any, uh, any Green Lantern uh, news uh, in my, the DCC? Trail's gone comp- uh, when I get, that's one of the things that's on my priority list when I get back to LA. Someone I have to meet at 7.30 in the morning for a breakfast or 8, eight 9 o'clock at night after work. Uh, he's, he's on my to-do list. But the trail's gotten kind of cold since the last rumor. You know, so I've heard Chris Pine, Green, Hal Jordan, this one's hearing John, uh, the is hearing John Stewart. I have no idea. But, and who knows? Maybe the Green Lantern is going through the same thing that Wonder Woman Aquaman is right now. Okay, yeah. write five scripts and let's throw it against the wall and see which one sticks the uh, best. Who do you personally want to see cast or just play and cast anything with it? Um, Green Lantern is not really my cup of tea, but I wouldn't mind a little diversity. I wouldn't mind seeing. I mean, we've seen the Hal Jordan one. It's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. what it is. But I wouldn't mind seeing John Stewart. I think that would be Agree. cool. Yeah, definitely. That's what we've pretty much collectively have here too. We'd really like to see John Stewart. That's Chad Coleman for me. So I saw him at Comic Con today. Nice, very mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, Motor City Comic Con's going on right now. We're from Michigan, so yeah. Chad, nah. Neil Adams was there as well. Park Bend. What was that? Which are you, Wolverine or Spartan fan? Oh, oh I'm a Wolverine fan. I'm a Spartan fan. We fight about it. Oh, see what you started. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, uh, I think uh, I think Kyle has a fun question here for you. Yes, let's have a little fun with this next question. Like nothing. Factual. Let's just go purely based on opinion. Who do you think will win the fight in Batman versus Superman? Batman or Superman? Who would you place your bet on? Hmm. <laughs> uh, I gotta be careful with how I answer that one. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I go on comic book movie and be like, 
Elmaimba on the podcast said that Batman wins the fight. <laughs> All right, very true. Let me. See. I got to be careful with that one. I would think. I would think I'm. You know, I think it ends in a draw. I'm not saying it ends in a draw. I don't know if it. I mean, I do know, but I'm not saying whether Batman or Superman. That's okay. Uh, no issues. I would, I would give. I do think, like in the comics, Bruce Wayne is smarter than everybody. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling he has a slight edge, okay? Uh, like, granted, physic, you know, physically going, I mean, Superman could destroy anyone on Earth if he chooses to. He's the most powerful man, powerful being in our solar system. But if Bruce Wayne brings him down to his level, I think he has the edge, like he did in The Dark Knight Returns. Yep, yeah. I agree. Awesome. I hated that ending of The Dark Knight Returns when he gave him that heart attack. Like, <laughs> I, I still feel cheated with that heart. Oh. Is there... That was self-induced. Give it to me. Self-induced himself heart attack. Yeah, <laughs> but he beat Batman. I mean, he beat Superman pretty good in that. You know? Oh yeah, it was epic. Man. Oh, absolutely. So and you... that is a sequel. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I, th- I don't know if there's any. So I mean, man, after that, we're just we're still floored from what you what you brought us. Uh, <laughs> Doomsday. Doomsday. Like wow, I just threw man. like the papers I had. And just, Our like... desk is screwed right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, man, what are you what are you doing right now? What do you want to plug? Like I I know you got a lot going on. So uh, so give give us some stuff, man. Well, I mean after. For a while, I've been wanting to try to do my own thing. Like, I was inspired by, like, when Drew McWeeny left Any Cool News, when Devin Faraci left Chud to start Badass Digest, and when Mike Samson left Joe Blow to uh, to start Screen Crush, I said to myself, if not them, why not me? It's your time, you know? yeah. It's, yeah, so it's like, I, you know, if I'm going to be around for at least another five years, I want to do it on my terms and give it a shot and see if I can build a brand and a community all, all my own. You know, it's a lot more work. I mean, I have a newfound respect for webmasters I didn't before. And it's like, it's, you know, so I'm developing a Facebook page, uh, a landing, you know, I have a landing page right now. So basically, I'm starting a website called heroichollywood.com. You can check it out. Uh, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash heroichollywood. We have a YouTube channel. I'm going to try to do like a video podcast a week like you guys. Yeah. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash user forward slash heroichollywood. We're on Twitter at Heroic Hollywood, Instagram at Heroic Hollywood, uh, and Snapchat at Heroic Hollywood. Really? Uh, oh, nice. Since I'm on Android, uh, I got I to go to my mother's house to use her iPad for me to be able to use Periscope because it's not out on Android yet. Okay. Yep. So having a lot of fun with Periscope as well, but uh, launching a new outlet called Heroic Hollywood, and we discuss everything super heroic and Star Wars. And all the cool big entertainment properties and the genre films and stuff. So it's not, it's, not... Uh, it, it's a throwback to uh, like before the internet. There was Wizard Magazine, yep. and there was a column uh, a columnist called named Andy Mangles who used to do something called Hollywood Heroes. And this guy was the biggest inspiration for my career. He did script reviews. He had spoilers. He had he had it all. So like I re- on eBay, I recently found his first column. In December of '91, and then his other one for the 1992 Comic Con issue, and then when he left Wizard to do Hero Illustrated, he did it. He took his column with him. So originally, I was trying to start a website, you know, in honor of him called Hollywood Heroes, but it wasn't available. And the guy wanted won a hundred thousand just for the domain. I was like, okay, I gotta get, you know. So 
got to improvise. And then after the DC announcement back in August, I was like, oh my God, we're entering Hollywood's heroic age. And it was, oh my God, heroic Hollywood. That's it. So then I went and rushed, and the, the, it was rare that I got all my domains. Yeah, that's close. true. Because there's always somebody who, not a troll per se, but somebody who will always take a name, oh, it's not available on Twitter, or it's not available on Instagram, or it's not available on a domain. I got lucky, and I got all of them, you know? That's huge. So, yeah, heroichollywood.com. Check it out, our landing page. We should be going live within a week or two at the latest. Oh, yeah. Of course, I launched with a DC scoop, a Marvel scoop. Um, I obviously you guys know I have great sourcing when it comes to promotional and concept art. Yeah, uh, maybe get some more of that. Um, yeah, and looking forward to scooping the next five years of superhero movies, man. You, you know, like I almost left scooping last year and stuff, and then what? like when my announcement got in the Hollywood Reporter that I was going to do a feature that we were finally getting around to doing this summer, um, people would email me is like, oh my god, you're not leaving us, are you? Who's going to scoop for us? Please don't go. We so it kind of touched me and stuff, and it's like, and then the Marvel announcement happens. Like, okay, I can do this for another five years. You know, it's just too much fun. Like, it doesn't feel like work to me because it's it's some you know it's something I've always been curious about since like for over twenty years. Like, I want to know the comic book movie scoops going back. You know, since since before I did this professionally, since before Harry knows pioneered the internet and fanboy blogging as it is today. And, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and, and my team, like, remember, I don't know, uh, now you guys are probably too young to remember, but, uh, comic books used to have, like, you know, in the, in the back pages and stuff, the scoops as well. Like, I remember the 89 Batman, I would have to get the Batman issues and the Detective Comics issues to see what I would, like, I was obsessed. I wanted everything on Burton's Batman. So the comics had it, the book, uh, Entertainment Tonight when they were the only game in town and, whatever whatever i could feast on and stuff so that it's always been a passion of mine and i'm luckily blessed to be carrying this into adulthood where i could do this in a professional manner make a little bit of money on the side pay writers and, wow. and stuff and keep a community going you know and uh see what goes from there so yeah you're you're talking about that movie is that the is that the breakneck is that breakneck yeah because i remember yeah, I think it was, I, yeah it's breakneck i came back to new york in the fall and the winter to start prepping but then New York also went through the worst winter that I've experienced in 20 years. It was constant snow, it was constant ice. Couldn't do a, we couldn't scout or couldn't do anything basically because it was too dangerous to even walk outside in the street. So the thing is, I made the mistake of writing a daylight exterior chase movie. 90 something percent of the movie takes outdoor, takes place outdoors in, in the streets of New York City. And the streets of New York City weren't accessible to us. So I lost my leading man to a job, uh, my production manager to another job. My cinematographer, do they have to, you know, life goes on, they still have to work. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> excuse me, it's basically getting all our schedules together. And that's why I'm thankful Comic Con happens earlier this year in July. That way, once Comic Con's over, I could focus, I could focus on going into prep and seeing where we could get going this summer, you know? It's just making sure, it's basically movie making is about getting everyone's schedules together, making sure everything fits and that the, the, the circumstances and the environment. Uh, to sustain that and so so, but I'm never ever ever again writing a daylight exterior scene in New York City ever again in my life. And that's the only writing <laughs> advice I'll ever give anybody: do not write daylight exterior scenes in New York City because there's always some element that's out of your control. Wow. <laughs> so, when, maybe next year we'll be able to get to see that movie Breakneck. Hopefully, keeping my fingers crossed. 
let's see what happens after Comic-Con. So Excellent. we're going to regroup and, you know, so I spent some time on the script. So that's why I'm focusing now on Heroic Hollywood because I have the time to, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm setting up my admins, setting up my pages, the construction, working with a developer, a designer, getting everything in check, getting my scoops together, my social media together. So like when it launches, it becomes fluid and it becomes a perfect seamless operation and stuff. So I got time to kill. So my, why not use it constructively launch a new outlet, you know? So, yeah. Oh, wow, man. Alamiambe, man. We so appreciate you for coming on the show. We appreciate what you do. Thank you so uh, much for, for yeah. dropping that doomsday yeah. scoop, man. That's, that's and, huge. And the dream sequence <laughs> as well. Yeah. Yes. If like, you ever want to come back on, like you are definitely more than welcome. Anytime. You want to, uh, like shoot the shoot the crap about uh, Batman the animated series and get really into Batman Beyond because that's like like that's our favorite Batman stuff right there. You ever want to do that? You're definitely it's more a great than movie, The Return of the Joker. Oh yeah, um, oh yes. Yeah. If you ever want to yeah. do like a commentary track with that on that one, because we got Mark Hughes doing a, we had uh, Mark Hughes doing the Batman Forever one. He had a great time. So if you ever want to come on, just like. Do that with us, whatever you want. Like you are always more than welcome to come on, man. Thank you so much. No problem. I was glad I was able to talk to you guys, and you know, I I like persistence. You guys were persistent after me and stuff. So you know, Mark vouched for you guys. So let me let me let me break a little Batman vs Superman scoop for these guys on the air and see if we get them more listeners or whatnot and get them all excited and stuff. Man, the pleasure is totally all on this side of Skype today. Like. It, it, like like Justin said before, like this was we wanted to get Bill on Bill Ramey, and we wanted to get Almiambe on. Like like I'm not even like I remember like this was like a year and a half ago. We're like there's two people that ever get, and Kyle's like we'll never get either of those. It's like we will. Like you just gotta have hope. So our bucket list is done. I don't know what the <laughs> hell we're gonna do now. <laughs> well, basically, I, I I try to build like in now that I'm building a brand and a website, I try to like before even I left Latino review, I was into community building. That's always been the difference between me and Kevin. Like, I, you know, and I, that's, that comes basically inspired by uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who, who interacts with as many people as possible, given his success and stuff. So, you know, social media is about community building and mm-hmm. I'm all about building a community. So I try to interact with as many fans as possible. If I can't respond to somebody, I try to at least favorite their tweet, right. let them know that I, I saw it or I appreciate it and whatnot. So it's like, you know, it's, it's just, it's cool, man. You know, I wish I had access to, I mean, Andy Mangles, who I grew up reading, you know, in wizard, you know, like wrote back to me, says a big fan. So that's the big, been one of the biggest signers. I've been lucky enough to meet Larry Hammer, go to his home, you know, you know, and see stuff that I grew up on. You know, he, 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 uh, created the eighties GI Joe for Marvel and stuff. So, you know, and I, so what others do onto me, I do onto others and stuff, you know, so I try to remain accessible to everybody as, as much as I try as much as I can, you know, so that's just, okay. but I appreciate you guys reaching out to me and stuff. So I was like, I figured let me deliver something cool. And then people been asking, like when I do my asking money, I mean, people been asking me constantly. Right. So like, okay, this is be something cool to break on the podcast, you know? Okay. So, so it's, it's cool for me to engage with fans, but it's also a tool for me. So I can see what people, what, what it is that they want to know. What is that I should be looking for? What should I be hunting? What should I be scooping? What, you know, so I, I got asked a lot about, this, the the Batman vs Superman villain and then Doomsday and yeah there you go yeah hit the nail on the I won't head. spoil how I don't want to spoil how but you're gonna see him in the movie 
Oh my awesome. goodness, that's awesome. One last time, thank you so much on behalf of Shanley and I'm Batman. I'm Justin Shanley. Go Davis. Tom Harper, thank you. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I am the knight. I am Batman.